I mean, I'll tell you anything you want to know about the oven or the pizza dough or whatever or anything, because I'm just like, no one can replicate it. <laughs> just just because we have, it's like everything is so very specific and like the starter is very specific. A husband and wife team who met in Chicago at a white tablecloth restaurant got inspired by the coal-fired pizzas at a pair of spots in Westtown. When they eventually moved to Nashville to open their first restaurant together, a coal-fired oven had to be on the agenda. The story behind Nikki's coal-fired pizza in West Nashville, straight ahead. I need a deep dish sausage and a thin pepperoni for here. This is Pizza City, the podcast dedicated to the art, craft, and passion behind some of the world's greatest pizzas. I'm Steve Dolinsky, author of Pizza City USA and founder of Pizza City USA Tours in Chicago. And welcome, everybody. Great to have you along with us for another edition of Pizza City here. We are continuing our run through the South uh, this month. All month long, we're going to be in and around Nashville. And before we get to that uh, subject that I was thinking at the top of the show, we should have some headlines from the pizza world, right? This is kind of a, this is the podcast all about pizza. Why don't we tell people about what's going on in the pizza world? And since I am from Chicago and I'm, of course, intimately involved with what's going on there, let's begin with the headline from Pauly G's Logan Square. They've just expanded in Chicago with a Pauly G's Wicker Park where they're focusing on New York-style slices based on a recipe from the mothership, of course, in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Uh, they're inside the former Bunchy space in Wicker Park. How ironic is that? Uh, the intersection of North, Damon, and Milwaukee Avenues. And then right down the block, Bill Kim, one of Chicago's best chefs as far as I'm concerned, also recently expanded his carryout and delivery-only concept called Chef Bill Kim's Pizza and Parm, so he started it in Michael Jordan's restaurant in West Suburban Oak Brook, and they just do this. They do Detroit-style pizza and chicken parm sandwiches. And so they added a Wicker Park location inside his Urban Belly restaurant. They also sell Detroit-style pies. Um, if you get got any, any pizza opening news you, you want to share with the world, let me know, and we're going to try to include it here. I am at steve at pizzacityusa.com. All right, continuing our Nashville series this week, we had a fantastic game-changing Svinchon on our last show uh, two weeks ago, by the way, since that show aired. Michael Hanna has announced his business is going to be setting up shop inside the Van Dyke Bed and Breakfast in East Nashville. Woohoo! I cannot wait to stop back there on my drive home from Florida. Um, so I'm coming for you, Michael. And I found some decent pizza down here in the Panhandle, too. I might be doing a show um, from... The Florida, from Florida's panhandle, or, or, or L.A. as they call it, Lower Alabama. So as we were focused on Nashville for the month of February, I talked a little bit about what the scene was like there uh, in our last show. There's two boots and Emmy Squared from New York City. They've got a DeSano doing really nice Neapolitan pizzas, a place called Rock and Dough, which I didn't get to, Slim and Huskies, which has several locations, um, and then Five Points doing New York-style pizza. I had heard about Nikki's Coal Fired, which is located in a neighborhood called The Nations in West Nashville. Lots of old warehouses being converted into hipster startups, bars, and restaurants. It's at 51st and Centennial Boulevard, which is kind of the epicenter of the neighborhood. Tony Galzen and his wife, Caroline. Uh, Tony is from the south side of Chicago, Mount Greenwood, for those of you who know Chicago. Big Italian family. Caroline is from L.A. That's Lower Alabama. 
but they met while working at MK, uh, a white tablecloth restaurant that sadly closed a couple years ago before COVID. Uh, and Tony was working pastry there, Carolina, in the front of the house. And they moved to Nashville about seven years ago, opening Nikki's in 2016. So I began, as I always do, asking about their first pizza memory. I don't have a, I was thinking about this because I've, I've listened to the podcast, obviously. <laughs> and uh, I'm just like, God, I don't, I don't have a memory of specifically like my first, like what maybe the place was, you know, where, where we got our first pizza from. I'm guessing, so I grew up in Mount Greenwood Park. Uh, so, Southside. Yeah, we always got Aurelio's. Aurelio's has like 40 locations now, but, I, but in, you know, mid, early mid 80s was when I would have been, you know, five to 10 years old. Uh, eating pizza, so I assume it's probably Aurelio's. Which is a thin square cut pie and with sauce and cheese edge to edge and yeah. the, the raw sausage pinched and pressed. Yeah, yep. And the part of the country I am a lot less familiar with is the South, and Caroline's from Alabama. You said sort of the southern part near yes. you know, the border with Florida. What was your first pizza memory like? Honestly, we did not have a lot of pizza options growing up in what we call LA, Lower Alabama. <laughs> um, but my favorite pizza growing up was Godfather's Pizza. That's where we'd always have like pizza party for birthdays. And I remember Godfather's Pizza with sausage. We were a big Pizza Hut family. We'd always do Pizza Hut, Pizza Hut breadsticks, that sort of thing. When Papa John's came to town when I was in high school, that was a, a revelation. <laughs> Since you're from Alabama, would you put white sauce on the pizzas? Uh, no, no, not at all. It was like a very traditional, just what you think of as like a Pizza Hut pizza, you know, bread sauce, supreme, pepperoni, meat lovers. Pizza Hut buffet was very popular. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and did you, how did you guys meet in the industry or? Yeah, we met working at MK. So for your Chicago uh, people, they would know uh, MK. Uh, I was the pastry chef at MK uh, for about four and a half years. Caroline was front of house and a bartender primarily. And um, so for Michael Cornick, by the way, kind of a yes. white tablecloth restaurant in River North. Yeah. Yeah. And we met there, um, started dating, got married. We only were married in Chicago together for a year before we moved. What was um, your pizza experiences like in Chicago then? I mean, you've had some sort of as a couple. When I was thinking about it, I'm like, man, I've really got a lot of like pizza stuff. Not so much. So what, I went to Columbia College and, and almost the entire time I was going to Columbia, I waited tables at two iconic deep dish pizza places. I waited tables at the original location of Geno's East on uh, Superior, kind of east of Michigan. And I waited tables. I got fired because uh, I was always late. And uh, so then I just went, I'm like, oh, I know how to do this. So I went to Lou Malnati's <laughs> and applied and got hired there. I, I love deep dish, love, 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 love deep dish. Yet here we are in Nashville in a coal-fired pizza joint called Nikki's Coal-Fired. Tell me about how Nikki's came to be. Uh, so Nikki's came to be my, my first experience with, I've, I've really only done like fine dining all throughout Ch uh, Chicago and kind of back and forth between savory and pastry, uh, a little more pastry. We came here, same deal, uh, worked in some fine dining. We had an opportunity to open a very small uh, fine dining restaurant. And then when Nikki's kind of fell, like the, the property was available, kind of things sort of fell into place that we were able to, to get the space. We wanted to do a much more um, 
casual and Italian um, focused restaurant, which is, you know, we're just like, well, we have to have pizza. When you guys um, came here in 2013, I mean, I know Nashville's been on the rise for years. You, everywhere you drive here, you see cranes. Oh, yeah. The city yeah. is constantly under construction and getting reinvented, and you're seeing lots of chains or, or properties like Emmy Squared from New York come here and Two Boots from New York come here. Mm-hmm. Um, but you really wanted to create something that was homegrown, right? Yeah, we, even though, you know, Tony loves Deep Dish, me not really being a Chicago, and I don't have a love for Deep Dish the way he does, and our favorite pizza that we'd always order from in Chicago, we lived in Westtown, right behind um, Eckhart Park, and we get coal fire all the time. And still is one of my favorite pizza places of all time. And then of course, D'Amato's is right over there as well. We go to D'Amato's and go to Bari for sandwiches all the time. So we really fell in love with that style, that coal style of making a pizza and um, really just wanted to to find a way to bring that here to Tennessee. I love, by the way, how Chicago plays a little bit of a role and influence in what you're doing here in Nashville. So um, as you start getting into the idea, okay, we're going to do this pizza, and you said you were doing Italian food. Um, how did you go about this research? I mean, was it, you can't really apprentice somewhere at this point. You've already done all your apprenticeships and you're married and you're together and you want to open a place. Yeah, I feel like when it comes to that type of like artisanal pizza, like something that's in the in the vein of like a Napolitana style pizza, so like a wood fired or coal fired or whatever, but it's going to be like a high hydration and stretch by hand and all that. Yeah, you pretty much have to have just like had some experience with it. I worked at Folia and my roommate was actually, I was the head pasta guy, but my roommate was the head pizza guy uh, there. So um, I had quite like a bit of just like knowledge of of kind of like what it went into doing the dough and shaping the pizzas i would you know kind of like make my own pizza and stuff prior to service but then it was just kind of a culmination of like all right getting in the space getting our oven and you know just trial and error about how we exactly we wanted our dough and our pizza and all those things to be i feel like it took us a long time to evolve our pizza dough and get it to where it is and I actually feel like even to this day it continues to constantly evolve we're always tweaking we're always making adjustments we're always trying to it's almost like this living thing that's you know constantly growing and and trying to get better as you're doing the R&D in 2014 2015 you've been here since 2016 on this base what was the pizza scene in Nashville like I mean because again as an outsider I think of some barbecue uh, I think of uh, the Loveless Cafe and biscuits and gravy and maybe hot chicken. I don't think of pizza when I think of this city. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There wasn't uh, really, really too much, especially in the way of like a, uh, you know, like an artisanal pizza like that. City House, um, which is our, like our only James Beard uh, chef right now. I'm actually um, going to do, doing a show with Tandy as well for a different episode, but yep, yeah. continue. Yeah, and they do a uh, similar style dough. Um, they do a wood-fired pizza and, um, you know, been doing it really, really good for a while. Really, like, the restaurant boom came here about three years ago. Boom, like 70 restaurants no, opened. 2017. 2017. So then really you felt like you had this opportunity. There was a blank slate in this city to kind of do whatever you wanted to do, but you really felt a kinship or that you said you, Caroline was saying, you like that coal style. Yeah, I think that, you know, something that Tony and I, we specifically moved here to try to pursue opening our own restaurant. We fell in love with Nashville. We thought it was a place that, you know, Chicago already has so much of everything. We thought this was a place where we could really have an opportunity. And something that Tony and I discussed before we moved here, I said, we cannot, you cannot try to make Southern food because Southerners are really good at at sniffing out a fake. 
And you have to, I don't think we're going to be successful unless you make something that is from your heart, that is true to you, that is very authentic to you and where you're from. And Tony having this big Italian family, you know, everything we do here from the menu to the decor to even the music we play is inspired by Tony's family. Our name, Nikki's Coal Fired, is named after Tony's brother, Nick. Listen, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the specifics. We're going to go back in the oven. We're going to see you make a pizza and ask you a bunch of questions about what you put on it. Um, We're also going to preview some scenes from our next show coming up in two weeks, so stay with us. Welcome back to the show. We are here at Nikki's Coal Fired Pizza in Nashville, Tennessee with Caroline and Tony Galzen, uh, co-owners, husband and wife of uh, the business. And last time we talked about kind of how you guys got here to Nashville and and the impetus behind this coal-fired pizza. Uh, which kind of was inspired by your Chicago experiences at Coal Fired and, and D'Amato's. Uh, but we're back here at the oven now. This is a gorgeous oven with this beautiful multicolored tile that says Enrico across the top. What's the story with this oven? This company, uh, Earthstone, they're in Los Angeles. They make, they're like one of two companies I know that makes coal fired ovens. This is basically the biggest one they make. It's essentially five tons without the tile, without the firewall, without the thing. So it's this huge honking. Uh, oven. So we this were, is, by the way, I'm guessing this is how you can afford to have a business by being in Nashville, not paying Chicago rent, but it's a little bit less expensive doing, because this oven ain't cheap. The oven's not cheap at all. Just just the oven's not cheap, plus all the stuff that, all the special duct work that has to go with it, and then the tile, and just the maintenance of of a coal-burning oven. Um, so people really need to think about this. If they're going to go into this business and do, say, I want to do coal-fired pizza, you've really got to consider all these variables. Like, where are you going to get your constant supply of coal you know we've had we you know we've, we've gotten some distributors to um, carry or one distributor to carry the coal that we use it's a very specific anthracite coal from Reading Pennsylvania there's been times when we've gotten a little break in the supply chain and we've had to go to tractor supply company in uh, Kentucky because it's like in an Amish community and they actually carry anthracite coal so we're here at the dough You've, this has been fermenting a couple days Yes, 48 hours. Caputo flour? It is not Caputo, but it's similar. It's an, it's an Italian uh, flour as well, double O. We incorporate our sourdough starter into it. Um, so it is, it's 65% hydration. It's kind of a standard for this for this dough, but it has a very high proportion of sourdough starter. I mean, I'll tell you anything you want to know about the oven or the pizza dough or whatever, or anything, because I'm just like, no one can replicate it. <laughs> just, just because we have, it's like, everything is so very specific and like, the starter is very specific. We only use coarse semolina to roll out the dough or to stretch the dough and, uh, and to dust it. I don't use any flour at all. We used to when we started. I am extremely sensitive to airborne flour. When, when there gets to be like too much flour in the air, I just like my eyes turn just like bloodshot red. I can't like, I'm just like nonstop nose running. So we started experimenting with just semolina. I A, like the result better, B, it's a little more unique than what other people are doing, and then, then C, it, it allows me to be in my own restaurant. You Are you concerned at all about uh, pressing too much air out? No, I want to get it pretty flat and uniform throughout the middle. So you see, I kind of, I'll, I'll go around the edge, I'll leave about a half inch or so for the crust, uh, and then I really want to get the rest of it pretty, pretty uniform, flip it. So we had an employee named Tom, I'll give a shout out to Tom. Uh, who actually went to Naples. He knew how to hand stretch with this like Napolitana hand slapping technique and then taught me as well. Very efficient. 
I wish we had, this is where I wish we had video, because that would be really cool to show people that, that technique there. But anyway, it was just a couple of slaps, and he kind of used both hands to, to stretch it, and now it's stretched. Okay, so now comes what, sauce? We do either red or white sauce pies. Our white sauce is like a bechamel-based. Our red sauce is just San Marzano tomatoes canned with sea salt. That's all it is. It's not a cooked sauce or anything like that. Okay, and now it looks like some sliced fresh garlic. Yes, it's garlic. This is our, so all our pizzas have names. So, oh, we'll make a margarita as well, but this is kind of our other signature. Uh, this is called the St. Pasquale. Red sauce, chili flake, fresh garlic sliced on there. It's a good amount. It's probably like three cloves of garlic. Uh, this is Pecorino Romano. You like that salty sort of sharpness with that Romano? Yes, yeah. Soprasada? Uh, this is pepperoni. This is Italian uh, pepperoni. We used to make our own pepperoni in-house. We make our sausage, we make our capicola, uh, we cure charcuterie that we do for any pasty plates. I used to make my own pepperoni until it was it was ruining my life. <laughs> it was our friend Eric Williams, who owns Virtue Restaurant in Chicago, said, if you bought in pepperoni, would anybody order less pepperoni pizza? And we said, you know what? You're smarter than us, Eric. <laughs> so where's this pepperoni from? Citerio, I think is how you pronounce it. Yeah, and it's like an imported Italian. Uh, you can see it's got, it's like pretty dry. Um, Large circles. Yes, yeah, not the little, little I, I like a little cup. Um, but I wanted more, I wanted like big pizza coverage. All right, so you've got your perforated metal peel. Yeah, so a lot of times you'll see, you know, the, a style of pizza like this. Some, sometimes you'll pull it onto like a wooden board or something. We take it right up off the table. That so is slick. It takes, it takes a little bit of practice to just slide the thing under there. Uh, pizza number 25,000, I'm pretty good at it. I will say though, you did form it on your stainless steel counter here. It wasn't on uh, wood or marble. Yeah, no, yeah, everything just done right on the, right on the counter here. Uh, give it a quick little stretch on the peel, and then we're gonna put it in. So, just so you get an idea of what we're working with here, I got a... He's got his laser temperature uh, reader. We're about mid to high 600s floor temperature, which is what we want. Thermometer's reading uh, almost 800 now. The dome is gonna be about 850, so that's kind of our ideal. Little cooler than like a traditional uh, Napolitana, like wood-fired oven, which can get, you know, as high as like 1,000 degrees and very bright. Um, but that's almost, I mean, a lot of people don't like that in North America because it's a 90 second bake and it's a wet middle. It, the, the middle is, the middle is wet. Yeah, you're correct. I mean, there's things you can do to kind of, you know, you can pick it up and sort of move it around, but it's still never going to have, it's not going to be as crunchy as, as ours is. Um, so we forfeit a, a, a few things, uh, with it not being as hot. We don't get like the immediate like puff oven spring is what it's called of, of the edges. Uh, so it's a little flatter on the crust, but I'm super confident that the flavor uh, of it is, is so good with the sourdough starter and, and the 48-hour 40, ferment that I'm fine to give a little bit. It's still, I mean, a nice puffy crust. Sometimes, sometimes those Napolitano ones are huge. They puff up like a full inch and a half compared to, you know, the, the middle, which is very thin. Yeah, I like the uh, Una Pizza Napolitana I had in New York a couple years ago, just unbelievably high cornichon. Yeah. So tell me, give me the sales pitch on coal versus wood. It's a, is it drier heat? What is it doing for your pizza that, that wood can't do? So, first of all, we chose coal fire, like we said, because, you know, we had this kind of connection, I had this connection with these coal fired places that I loved. Um, and then also, I mean, I kind of wanted it to be a little different. I knew that Wood-fired places were going to be coming, going to be entering the market. Uh, I wanted to separate ourselves a little bit, and and I also saw the coal-fired oven. 
in, in like working in wood-fired ovens, I kind of knew what, what their limitations were. In the coal-fired oven, we cook more than just pizza in here. We would like fire antipasti in here. Um, we would fire like fish and, and veg and steak and stuff in here. And it's just, it's more of an of a, of a even heat. You can see that it's not as bright as a, as a wood-burning oven. So, our, so It's certainly not as dramatic and sexy as those flames licking the inside of the wall, right? Yeah, uh, a lot less smoke. You can see anthracite coal burns nearly smokeless. It's, it's the highest carbon uh, content of, of, of any, any, any fossil fuel. So, so a wood fire will be giving off tons of black smoke. Um, you know, it'll, it'll impart some other flavors, other stuff. Uh, this is basically just a consistent heat source. interesting thing about what's happening right now is I've been watching you. This pizza's been sitting inside the oven, hasn't been touched or moved for about a minute. Now you're going to actually take a look at it and move it. Does that, that's also a, fa a function of the coal or the, the heat? I got two coal beds uh, and then the pizza's kind of right in the middle uh, of two of them. There's two windows. So the pizza always gets fired in one window, kind of works its way down and I'll pull it out of the other window. Um, it's about eight inches, ten inches away from this coal bed. It looks like. Yeah, this the the coal bed on the right is a little smaller than the coal bed on the left, and that's where I fire the pizza. That gives it a chance to get set, and then we'll move it over to the big one, and they'll kind of finish the color on it. He's doming it now, so he's lifting it up to the top of the dome. Yeah, I kind of took a look at the bottom that's spotted where I want it. I'm just going to get a little more color. And you're pretty close to the left bank of the coal here. Yep. More even browning too than I would see in like an Neapolitan. Yeah, it doesn't get that like leopard spotting, you know, is, is, is what's that called. And that's just a that's just a function of it um, not being as bright. Now I can do that. I can take um, little bits of firewood. We keep firewood here because we need to start a small wood fire to light the coal initially. Um, so if I threw like a log on top of this and ignited and it made it really bright in there, the next pizza I fired would look spotted. Hey, we're going to, for the benefit of our listeners, we're going to take a quick break here. Um, we're going to take some pictures and then we're going to taste it. And then we're going to come back on the other side and talk about the pizza. So you made two pizzas, actually, the one, the one with uh, the pepperoni and then you made a margarita. Is a margarita, in your mind, like the, the baseline anywhere you go? Like if I go to a Middle Eastern restaurant, I always get baba ganoush to see what the place is capable of. Is a margarita, in your mind, kind of, it should be like the best version, sort of the standard? I think so, because if you can't do that right, then it's probably, I mean, that's probably the standard answer. But like, if you can't do that right, then then a lot of a lot of other dominoes are going to fall, probably not in your favor. Okay, so you said you use some fresh mozz and a low moisture? Yeah, we, we do a mix of, uh, we kind of crush up, just a hand crush, like the fresh mozz. So uh, it's kind of like, mm, I don't know, gravel size, and then uh, shredded low, low moisture, and we mix those together. And I just like, you get a little better coverage, uh, but I love the flavor and kind of the gooiness of, of fresh moths, so that's why we mix it. People have different opinions about the fresh basil going on before or after the bake. I like to put it on before just because I feel like just it kind of releases some of those, you know, essential oils and aromatics into the sauce during that quick little bake. Uh, I don't mind it on top afterwards as well. I just feel like it just permeates the flavor a little better if you bake it with it on. And by using hydroponic, you can charge a buck more or what? 
Uh, I don't Surprisingly inexpensive. We have a really, really cool local, I'll give a shout out to Greener Roots. Those, those are our buddies. They do a lot of great local, uh, or a lot of hydroponic herbs and lettuces, the lettuces we use as well. So let's talk about the, the taste, the chew, the crunch. First of all, the thing I noticed was that semolina. Uh, it definitely is, you said it, a lot of it falls off, but it's pronounced, and I like that a lot, but it's definitely a different profile of a pizza. Uh, but in terms of the structure, the integrity, do you want people to be able to pick up a slice and fold it and have sort of that you know, no tip sag or a little tip sag, or do you, do you want it to be soft and floppy and knife and fork? I mean, I, I noticed you gave us knife and fork just in case. Mm. I thought this was, had enough integrity you could pick it up and not necessarily need utensils. That's, that's the ideal. Um, that's what I'm shooting for every time. Um, you know, you do get a little bit of the, 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 little, the little tip flop, which, which I'm okay with. It is absolutely different in terms of the texture and the chew on the cornichon, the, the perimeter on the, on the heel, than a Neapolitan. Those Neapolitans can be very chewy. This has got more crunch, more stability. Yeah, I think it's just a, I think it's a, a matter of just the temperature that we bake it. Uh, I think this adding the semolina into it at the end, I think, uh, you know, definitely um, affects tighter, that. tighter crumb. Yeah, a little tighter crumb. As you as a previous listener of the show, you know, the final question, every program we ask our guests, knowing what you know now, which is quite a bit, you know, five, six years of business about pizza. What would you tell your younger selves? before you decided to go down this path. We have the best partners right now. Like, honestly, just like the, couldn't ask for a better like investment and partnership group. Obviously, being in business with my wife as, as the managing partner, uh, we pretty much share the same brain. So that goes, uh, it makes things pretty smooth. I think we just, um, if I could change anything, I would have dialed this, I would have made it a little smaller and then given the opportunity to expand. I just think we were just like, it's a big restaurant, and don't get me wrong, we, we fill it up, and, but sometimes it's like, oh, man, that was a hard night. Like, that, that was a lot. I, w- I would have liked to dial it back just a little bit, and I think that's just always a good rule, you know, is like you don't always have to go for, like, the grand slam. Take your, take your double if you got it. Caroline, what would your advice be? I would say to maybe be a little less rigid about thinking I know what I know in the sense that, you know, the restaurant has evolved organically in so many ways. And the restaurant that we are today is not the one we opened as. And I think that comes as a function of over the years, we learned sometimes the hard way that we needed to pay more attention and listen to our customers more closely about what people really wanted and what was really driving sales. So I think maybe opening with a little more flexibility to make changes, um, which I think we're very open to now, but you know, Hindsight is 2020. The restaurant again is called Nikki's Coal Fired Pizza. It's in the Nations here in Nashville. Uh, next time you come, besides getting a pizza, I hear the meatballs are pretty spectacular, so make sure you try those. Tony and Caroline Gallison, thank you so much, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you yeah. so much, Steve. Thanks. It's been awesome, Steve. All right, coming up in two weeks, we conclude our Nashville pizza tour with a stop at one of the stalwarts in town where pizza has always played an important role on their locally sourced menu. It was actually inspired by the great Nate Appleman when he worked at A16 in San Francisco. He was able to give me a few pointers to understand, you know, hey, you gotta let this stuff relax. You gotta give it some time. You gotta let it live. And, and, and that was a big, big factor in how we got to our pizza as well. The chef and owner of City House tells me how his travels through California and Italy helped influence his approach to pizza in the Germantown section of Nashville. That's in two weeks on March 5th. Hey, big thanks to Dark Jester 95 for the very kind review on Apple Podcasts. Loved getting your feedback. 
It, it really made my entire weekend. Remember to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, tell a friend, and rate us, please. We're at Pizza City USA on Instagram, and our website is pizzacityusa.com. Bureaucratic wrote and performed our theme song. And just a reminder, everybody, stay safe, wear the mask, keep distancing, and please, please keep ordering pizzas and keep your favorites afloat during the pandemic. Thanks for listening, everybody, and here's wishing you an optimal bite ratio, always. <laughs>